The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Good afternoon on this Monday afternoon. How are you? And yes, it is another Monday in January of 2024. It's the fourth Monday of this month and there's another one yet to come. It's a long old month is January. Yes, and we're in the middle of the post-Christmas blues and it's dark and it's dank and it's raining and it's windy and it's snowing and it's freezing and it's... Anyway, let's look on the bright side of life if we can. I, I tell you what, public life in Ireland will miss David Norris. Uh, I'm a big fan of David Norris's and we've spoke to him on numerous occasions over the years. Um, uh, he did, I remember he did Soundtrack to Your Life and he, he spoke to us and he, I've spoken to him five or six times both on the radio and on the television and always enjoyed him uh, and always enjoyed his company. Uh, and we forget, I think, sometimes uh, what he did, how he changed, how he helped to change this country. Uh, and the the ripple effect of things that he did uh, back in the 80s and the 90s are still being felt in this country. Uh, and I think we should say thank you very much, uh, David Norris, and enjoy your retirement and your time off. Um, we were speaking to Cathy last week on the quiz and Cathy was on her way out to celebrate her 70th birthday. And she told us the restaurant she was going, she lives up in Navan, uh, and we had a great old chat. Anyway, she sent us a card which arrived in the post today to thank us. Uh, and then she went on to tell us that she went out that evening with her friends to celebrate her 70th birthday uh, to the restaurant in Navan and she played them back. Listen to this now. Imagine this. She played them back her conversation with us in the restaurant so they could hear that she had told the nation where she was going and how she had given it a, a recommendation, if you like. Uh, and as a result, they got a discount when they went to pay the bill. So as well as the, I don't know, did she win that day? I don't think she did, did she? No, she got the Radar Show Keep Cup. Well, as well as the Radar Show Keep Cup uh, for her birthday, Cathy got a discount uh, up there in the restaurant in Navin. Uh, so thanks for that. Thanks for the thank you card. Thanks for the thank you card. Um, yeah, so so I, I got out, I was inspired by Mick Kelly. We spoke to him a few weeks ago from... Uh, grow it yourself down in Waterford and I've tried before to start some sort of a little vegetable patch uh, and uh, I think I started too late last year anyway I got out over the weekend and I cleared the raised bed of all the rubbish all the leftover bits of lettuce and all the weeds and everything else and it's there and it's ready and it's waiting uh, for the seeds so uh, I'm just waiting for the get the go from Mick he's going to text me go go sow the seeds sow the seeds this is, this is going to be our year, me and the vegetables, me and the vegetables. So, so that happened over the weekend uh, and the basketball hoop was blown over. Um, I tried to uh, put loads of different weights on it, but it's still that the wind uh, was victorious in the end. That was a really bad storm. That was a really bad storm. I remember somebody predicting how uh, climate change was going to affect us in this country. And the three W's were quoted, uh, wetter, warmer, windier. Uh, well, definitely it's windier and, and Isha's just gone and Jocelyn's on the way. Um, I think we'll probably have to relook at how we live our lives. Well, we, we will, I think, yeah. Like the trampolines and, and, and basketball hoops and all those sort of things probably aren't uh, the thing to have or definitely we'll have to We'll have to anchor them a little bit more and take more, pay more attention to that side of it. Now, uh, we, we spoke about colour recently and, and we had uh, a colour expert on and she's yet to come down and give me a consultation and advise me on what my colours are. Um, and she, uh, M- Miriam, Miriam, 
uh, was telling me that if you get the right colours in your wardrobe, it can change your life, that it makes you happier. Um, anyway, I see now, uh, and this is bad news for the ageing process. <laughs> well, it's all, well, it's, it's, there's some good news, I suppose. But seemingly, I did, never heard this before, but as we age, colours slowly fade. So we see colours differently, just as our sense of smell, hearing, all of that <laughs> gets worse. So does how we perceive colours. And this is an explanation from researchers in the University College of London as to why older people dress in bright colours. Because they're telling us in our world, in their world, whatever you're, you know, however you rate yourself as an older person or not, uh, that it's not that we, we're, we're going mad and we want to be vibrant and we don't care anymore and that's why we dress in, in vibrant, colourful outfits. No, it's because when we look at them in the shops, they don't look that bright. They look bright to everybody else, but not to us. Uh, so that's, I would like to think that it's not that at all. Now, I know University College London have science on their side. I would like to think it is what I mentioned there, that we don't, we don't care as much. We get a sort of a confidence. We're not worried that if we put on a red jacket that people will be saying, oh, look at him in his red jacket. Uh, that we just have the confidence and we don't care. We're more comfortable in our skins and that's why we wear brighter colours. Now, I'm saying we, I don't. I'm still in the black thing and the, and the, and the navy <laughs> jeans. Um, but there, there you go. There's another thing to worry about. Uh, I see Liverpool are top of the, the, the Premiership and uh, Jurgen Klopp uh, is an amazing man. We, we spoke about him recently when we, you know, he invited uh, our friend over uh, and treated him so well. I see he's now invited Sven Goran Eriksson. Uh, for those of you who don't follow that sort of thing, Sven Goran Eriksson was the uh, England manager and he has recently been, di- been diagnosed with terminal pan- pancreatic cancer uh, and he was talking about his regrets and what he wished he'd done and one of the things he said was that he, he wished that he'd had a time in Anfield at the helm at Anfield uh, and when Jurgen Klopp heard this he put out an invitation to Sven Goran Eriksson to come uh, and this is Jurgen Klopp Sven you are invited from the bottom of all our hearts you are invited to come here and you can have my office, we can everything, you can, we, um, we can lead a session if you want. That's all no problem. Um, that's actually coaching and managing. Uh, and um, so I'm not sure you want to, if Thing Benis spoke about it, I'm not sure he, want, he thought about the legends. He thought about the, the first team. And um, here we are, open arms, come over here and let's have a few great hours together. That's not nice. Uh, Jürgen Klopp inviting Sven Goran Eriksson to manage Liverpool um, for a day. It's a nice thing to do. Um, now, uh, this week, if you're uh, a fan of Eurovision, you'll know that Friday night, this Friday night on the Late Late Show, it's Eurosong time. So the six uh, hopefuls will perform this Friday night and you will be asked to vote and there'll be a vote from the national jury and the international jury. Uh, and we just got on to Michael Keeley, who's the head of delegation here in RTE, just to um, clarify how the voting is weighted. Uh, and he's informed us that it's equal weighting. So... Uh, a third, a third, a third. You have to be careful there when you're from the Midlands. The worst thing you can see written down on a piece of paper if you're from the Midlands is 33 and a third. 30, anyway, a third, a third, a third. Um, so a third for the national view, uh, jury, international jury a third, and then the vote, the public vote on Friday night. That uh, gets a third of the votes as well. Uh, so there'll be six. We'll just remind you, just, just in the build-up. Um, so song A... Uh, sung by Erica Cody, Love Me Like I Do. 
People will know her from Dancing with the Stars. Then song two, performed by Elsha Gutubin. Elcha there, spelt A-I-L-S-H-A. Song three. Gel yellow, J-L-O-L. Judas. Previously, it still gave me PTSD. We're no good at sharing, and that's why we needed three PS3s, two PS4s. Imagine being choosy and poor, too immature, but knew the allure of remedial things. To reassure, not to be treated as kings. Knew we were more than disobedient kids who leader boys couldn't reward and didn't believe the things we seen on Wikipedia links. Like, are your thoughts really your thoughts or what the media thinks? I said it's crazy enough, so I mind in the business that pays me enough. Living off of filler rolls and savings, you know. Song four performed by Isabella Carney. Let me be the fire. is Doomsday Blues performed by Bambi Thug. And song six performed by Next in Line. Uh, who were put together by Louis Walsh and their song Love Like Us. It's the way you walk, the way you dress. You can say whatever, you say it best. And I swear I'll never mess this up. Cause I'll never find a love like us. I can wash your lips to my face. But your kisses well, they last for days. And I swear I'll never I think generally it's a high standard this year. But what would I know? What would I know? On Friday, Brian Kennedy and Mairead Ronan will be joining us to preview uh, this year's Eurosong. Um, that's Friday. Looking forward to that. Now, uh, make sure you dig uh, in a good bit of farmyard manure. FYM, farmyard manure. Compost and some fertiliser. You'll thank me later. Thanks, John. Where would I get my hands on that, John? Uh, I'm a middle-aged man and my lime green trousers just ain't bright enough. Maybe I'll add some fluorescent pink socks and pillar box, pillar box, <laughs> pillar, bo- pillar box red sweater. Uh, it's dull out, says C. And uh, if Amy, you see, if Amy, it's, it's if any of your listeners want to brighten their lives up, uh, tell them to visit Grennan Mill Clothing in Thomastown. The shop would dazzle you with the brightest of mesmerising colours, no boring colours there. That's Valerie who's obviously associated with Grennan Mill clothing. I'm at home today from work listening to the radio while I take down my Christmas decorations. Don't judge me. I won't. I don't know what's going on in your life. Um, I, I run through UCD and I see there's a good few Christmas trees still up in uh, in the student accommodation around UCD. 
And, and I remember a few years ago, we left ours up well into February, whatever was going on. I think it must have been COVID time. And when I arrived home each evening, put a smile on my face, I always said, why would you, why would you take something down that puts a, f- a smile on your face? Uh, now, 5151 Ie and all that talk about Eurosong and the Eurovision brought us me right back to... Aha! Good afternoon. Johnny, when are we ready? Thank you. I've been waiting such a long time Looking out for you, but you're not here What's another year? I've been waking such a long time. Johnny Logan, what's another year? Uh, Johnny Logan had a particularly lovely tone to his voice that was universally appealing, besides his good looks. Yeah, he had the whole package, Johnny Logan. What's another year? Now, uh, what do we watch over the weekend? Um, a lot of interesting stuff, actually, and, and there might be something in here for you that you may not have thought of or heard about. So Aaron is still watching uh, Point Break, or even Breakpoint. Um, and uh, there was an amazing episode over the weekend that she watched about the greatest of all time, the GOAT herself, Serena Williams, and her retirement match against the backdrop of New Year's City and a crowd full of celebrities. So that's Aaron Neve had a night on the couch watching Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson in their Netflix movie, Marry Me. While the premise was a bit ridiculous, it was highly entertaining. She also went to see a preview of All of Us Strangers with Andrew Scott and Paul Meskell, which is out in the cinema this weekend. Brilliantly acted, says our Eve, quite heartbreaking and intense, all about grief and loneliness with some very unexpected moments. And there might be... Oscar nominations in it for one of them tomorrow when they're announced. Grace flew through Big Boys on Channel 4. It's about two lads who become unlikely best friends at college. One of them played brilliantly by the actor who played James in Derry Girls. It's full of laughs, full of heart, but not for the faint of heart. She also watched LOL Ireland. Ten comedians, Graham Norton, and <laughs> trying to make each other laugh. Uh, Barbara Rose, inspired by Saltburn, revisited The Talented Mr. Ripley, which is said to have inspired the new hit movie. The 1999 classic is available on Netflix. On a stormy Sunday, she inhaled three episodes of BBC series The Inside Man, starring David Tennant and Stanley Tucci. Over the weekend, we watched Anatomy of a Fall, which may be mentioned in the Oscars tomorrow. Uh, it's, it's, it's intense and tense. Brilliantly acted. Highly recommended, Anatomy of a Fall. We also went to see Poor Things with Emma Stone, uh, which is just a feast, a feast for the eyes. Um, it's directed by Jorgos Lanthimos. Um, and we, I was just reading about it there. All the sets were built. Um, so they built a set for Lisbon. They built uh, the house. They built uh, the set of um, a liner, a cruise liner. Uh, and it's amazing and Emma Stone is brilliant in it and she'll be mentioned in the Oscars tomorrow as well again probably not for the faint of heart uh, poor things but that's what we watched over the weekend there might be something in there for you now we are looking for two of you to come on after four o'clock and take part in our Who Done It quiz (laughs) 
and a prize. And this week it's a two night stay for two people in the four star New Park Hotel Kilkenny. Breakfast each morning and dinner on an evening of your choice. Uh, um, and the award winning New Park Hotel offers an adult only floor. That's interesting. An adult only floor. Uh, offering a selection of highly sought after balcony suites, some even with outdoor hot tubs. And all can avail of a tranquil breakfast terrace set away from the hustle and bustle of the main dining areas for a proper escape away from it all. Um, now, so, have we got a website there? We don't. Oh, you do. New Park Hotel Kilkenny. New Park Hotel Kilkenny.com. New Park Hotel Kilkenny.com. They have an adults only floor. Here's your qualifying question on this Monday afternoon. Emma Stone stars in what movie out in the cinema at the moment? Is it Poor Things or Rich Things? So Emma Stone stars in which movie in the cinema at the moment? Poor Things or Rich Things? 0818 715 925. That's 0818 715 925. And good luck with that. We could be talking to you after four o'clock. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Email ray at rte.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Kate Kerrigan is asking herself the question, am I Irish yet? Yes. Yes, and uh, she wants to share it with the world because she's a one-woman show of that name. Uh, good afternoon, Kate. Good afternoon, Ray. You Top see, immediately, morning, immediately there, you see people are going, am I, am I Irish yet? No, you're not. You have an English accent. Yeah, Go home. exactly. That's, that's what it. they're saying. That's yeah, what yeah, they're saying. That's yeah. it. Who is that little tan woman with the prissy little English accent saying, am I Irish yet? No, emphatically yes. not. Yes, go home Go to your home. Own and I'll be honest with you, I, I'm saying that because I, I was brought up Irish in London and I still have this little English accent. I've been here for 35 years and I still have this little English accent and I have the unconscious bias, you know, because I, you know, let's be honest, like the best thing about the Irish is like we hate the English. <laughs> Well, we do, we, like, that's, that's a bit of a generalisation. It is a bit Kate. of a generalisation, yes, yes, but yeah. like culture, it's that thing of like when you're English and Irish at the same time, it's a problem. But it's I, can, a, it's I, a, I understand yeah. that. I understand that. Yeah. And if, for example, England are playing in a sporting event, oh, yeah, yeah. we would more often than not cheer the other team, wouldn't we? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, completely. Yes. And Which the, is odd because, for example, if it's, if it's football... No, yes, people support Manchester United and Liverpool and yet they won't support the English team. It's, it's a very odd one. I don't understand it. But Well, it's, it's 800 years of oppression, there, right? Do you know what I mean? It. That's that's that, that's what it is. Yeah. It's complicated. OK, so let's let's hear your story first and then we'll try and establish... Are if you, I am, am are, I am. Are, okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I grew up in London around the same time as actually like Shane McGowan. Like, that would have been my tribe, very much my tribe. Growing up in London... Um, the Irish were overplanting bombs. Uh, the everyone was very, very cross about that. You know, they were like. And your parents were from. My parents were from. My dad's from Longford, and my mum's from Mayo. Right. And what age did they come over to? Uh, the they UK? came over. They came over like in their twenties or whatever okay. to work and stuff like that, and then brought us all to London. And um, we. What, were, when, what age were you when you arrived in London? Oh, I was born. I was oh, actually born right. in Scotland and brought up in London. Okay. So I was like a London girl. And there were four of us and two of us, we, we spent all of our summer holidays at home in Ireland. We had sort of a very strong sense of our family history politically. You know, my grandfather was a, found, founded the Gaelic League um, with um, your man, the first president. I can't remember Cusack. his name. Was it? That's his name? No. Uh, Hyde. 
Hyde, Douglas right. Hyde. And I then didn't, I know it's president of the GA or the president of oh, Ireland. Oh, no, no, yes. the president of Ireland. Right. right. Uh, excuse me. And uh, and then, um, and he was in the IRA and all that kind of stuff. And then my dad had very sort of strong Republican politics. So we were brought up in this household where uh, we were very much, you know, kind of part of that struggle or kind of understood okay. that struggle. It wasn't something that wasn't talked about. So um, did and, you, for example, learn Irish dancing? No. No. Right. We were kind of, I remember when I was very little, um, coming home from school one day because, you know, England is all about class. And when I was very, first few days home from school, I looked up at my mum and I said, mum, are we posh or are we common? And my mum said, uh, if anyone should ever ask, she said, uh, we are educated Irish. Right. So we had all of that going on. Okay. You know, educated Irish. Educated Irish, okay. you know. And then my mother spoke like Edna O'Brien. Right. You and know. at school then, did you fly the Irish flag? Or? Yeah. We, right. At school, there were kind of like... So mostly being... Growing up in London, we weren't like in an Irish area. We were in northwest London, but we weren't in Cricklewood or Wilton or Kilburn. We were in Hendon, which is actually quite a Jewish area, quite an English middle-class Jewish area. Um, but we went to... Catholic schools. So that was really where our Irishness presented itself most in Catholic schools. And there were we, there were Irish Catholics and then there were Italian Catholics and English Catholics. Right. And we were all quite distinct, mm. you know. Uh, now, when you're at school, you probably weren't aware that there was prejudice against Irish. And, and as you mentioned already, during the 70s and 80s, mm. there was, you know, the troubles were at their height. And uh, the IRA were travelling to the UK and, yeah. and bombing and killing people. Yeah. Um, and that reflected badly on you yeah. with Irish heritage. Well, we, we would have been very aware of the prejudices, you know, because we would hear them from our parents, uh-huh. from my mother. My mother was a teacher in a school. So what were they saying? Well, they were saying, uh, you know, mum got a taxi into school. She got a, used to get a taxi into school every day. And because um, she was Irish, the taxi driver had assumed that she was a dinner lady rather than a teacher. She would have immediately been, been, you know, not that there's anything wrong with being a dinner lady, but that you would assume that an English woman was a teacher. She didn't get jobs because she was an Irish Catholic and they thought she would just go off and have babies and wouldn't come in. Um, and then, um, and then, of course, London was absolutely filled with, um, you know, anger towards mm. the bombing Irish. So we were aware of that prejudice all of the time. And we would have been aware of the politics behind it as well. Did you try to hide your Irishness then? There were two things that you could do um, as, as growing up London Irish at that time or in England at that time. If you were second generation, my parents never hid it. Um, but as their children, we were able to make a choice. So you either proclaimed your Irishness and uh, and kind of got into little fights and spats and did the whole St. Patrick's Day thing and kind of argued with people. Or you just kept your head down and you were a nice little white English kid. What did you do? Oh, I spat. I spat. Did you? Right. I went on. I went on. Yeah, I went on. <laughs> I went on. I went on dirty protests in Hyde Park. Right. Um, and uh, complained about the the teaching of Irish history in English classrooms and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I was I was a spatter. 
Right. And then um, got into trouble in pubs as a teenager, fighting with, I remember going out one night and meeting a group of young men who were signing up for the British Army and having a big fee. Yeah, I was a, I was a fighter. Right. And I also, I loved, I loved Ireland. You know, I came, we came home every summer and I absolutely, I just loved Ireland. I love Mayo. I love my friends. Who said about, you know, like being Irish is not, it's not a country, it's about a state of mind. So, so you were very much in your head. I was completely Irish. Irish. I was okay. passionate about Ireland and I, not just about, you know, the politics of it, but I fell in love with who I was when I was in Ireland. Right. I fell in love with, um, I, I just fell in love with the fact that I, I, I fitted in, I felt relaxed, you know, um, I, in my grandmother's house. We were outside all the time. Um, there weren't the were same you, were pressures you... or expectations. I never felt the pressures or expectations that I did growing up in London. It felt like my home. Yeah, and when you were home on your, well, back in Mayo for your summer holidays, were you sort of exotic because you had the English accent and you were from London? There was some of that. Mm. Yeah, like when I went to the discos, I was a big hit in the discos because, you know, I was from outside. All the boys thought that, you know, I'd shift them because I was English. <laughs> I didn't realise I went, I went to a way more Catholic school. Do you know, in London, like I, I was with proper nuns, you know. Right, yeah. um, but there, there was always that assumption. So I was, and I remember um, being at a dance one once and uh, this um, lad came up to me that I knew and he said, will you get up for a dance, for a slow set with me? And I said, I looked at him like, no. Do you like, come on, like. Do you know? And he said, no, 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 I don't want anything. He said, only like if the other girls see me up with you, they look at me in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? They look at me and they think, he couldn't get a girlfriend. Yes, He yeah, couldn't, yeah. you know. And, so he'll become attractive by association. Yeah. Right. And that was the, that, I mean, that's the peril of growing up in a small town as well. It's like if you haven't fixed up and found somebody by the time you're 15, nobody likes you. Do you know, because mm. everyone's made their minds up. At that might have age. changed a bit. It might, might have changed, changed a hopefully. bit. Yeah. Uh, so just to go on a, a sidebar, um, Kate, because in your twenties you became editor of Just Seventeen. Yeah. Um, uh, and you partly <laughs> discovered Take That. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I have a picture here, an amazing picture of you in bed oh, with God, Take yeah, That. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I wish it was television. I wish it was television. And actually, it's quite funny. It's a picture of me holding up. I think it's, um, I think it's uh, Jason's codpiece um, in bed in a nightie would take that. Mm. And actually, the landlady, I, I put it up online um, a couple of weeks ago. I took it down fairly quickly. But the, the landlady in my local pub um, uh, took a friend of mine aside because she thought it was a recent picture. <laughs> It was like 30, 30 years old or something. But, yeah. um, and I got a load of local lads and what put them into bed. Was that on the cover of Just 17? No, it wasn't. No, it I was wouldn't inside. have put that on the cover. No. Yeah. And they were very, I mean, they were only, that was actually an audition piece that I did for, um, there was a TV show called, uh, oh, it was an awful TV show. It was late at night. 
um, and I was in, uh, I was auditioning for the, um, it was in Manchester, there was right. something called Terry. Anyway, I was auditioning Terry for Christian. it and we did that. Terry Christian. The that, Word. The Word. There you go. And I was auditioning uh, for The Word and that was a piece that I did with the boys from Take That, uh-huh. yeah. Of course, Paulie Eighth famously used to interview people in beds. That, she did it after me. Oh, did she? Yeah. Because wow. it was based on In Bed with Madonna. Do you remember ah, the film yes, In Bed with yes, Madonna? Yes. And that one then was, um, yeah, in, take that In Bed with Auntie Morag. Right, and then, um, right. Yeah. Okay, so that's where you ended up in journalism. That's where I ended up in journalism. Yeah, and do you still keep in touch with the lads, Robbie no, and Carrie? <laughs> no, It was interesting because at that time, like when I look back, I, I, I do sort of think, like it was an amazing time and I was doing really well and I knew all these people and I was very part of that whole scene. And then I just decided that I, I, I wanted to move to Ireland. Right. And I just up and... The draw was too great, was it? The draw yeah, of the home draw. place. And then a job came up in Dublin and um, I just thought I'd rather be in Ireland okay. doing something I don't know with people that I don't know than be in London anymore. Kind of. So now you're in Ireland and you have an English accent. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, and this was this in the nineties, was it? Yeah, I came over in the nineties, and mm. I I was in my I suppose I was in my early to mid twenties when I came over, and I've never, I've never lost the accent, mm. and it's been a source of, um, yeah, kind of. I know it sounds weird, but I think it's been a, a it's been a sort of source of pain that I have assimilated here but I still have the accent of the place that I left to came here and the accent of the place that doesn't feel like home and it's like a it's like it is like an emotional itch I mean that sounds very dramatic but it is a kind of a you know it begs the question can you purposely get rid of an accent well a lot of People, since I've been doing this show and writing and researching about it and talking to people, you know, I have, I have so many friends now that I didn't know in Mayo that moved here when they were eight or nine or ten who have broad Mayo accents because they just got rid of them in school. <coughs> nothing, will get ki- nothing will get rid of your accent quicker than being bullied in school. Mm. And I didn't have that experience because I came over here as an adult. But I, ha- I-, I did, I would say that... Uh, I- I've like an ongoing struggle with unconscious bias, my own and other people's. This feeling that the way that I speak or the way that I present myself just sort of rubs people up the wrong way. Well, here's the thing, right? I used to think this. I don't think it anymore. But I used to think when I was younger um, that why would somebody come to Ireland from England to pursue a career? Because England was a bigger place. I always felt that maybe they were not as good or that they were running away from something. That's That that was ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous, but that's what I thought. And I'm wondering, do other people think that as well? Well, I think to a certain extent that would be true, but I think, it's, I think it runs deeper than that. I think people, I think it's, I think it's different if someone comes here from somewhere else. I think it's sort of great if someone comes here from South America or Africa or France. No one ever said to Patrick Gibo, go home to France. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's kind of marvellous. But what is not marvellous is someone coming home to Ireland 
when they grew up in England and they have an English accent. Mm. And I think it is, I think it's triggering. And I don't think people talk about it. Like right. I'm, I, I'm an older writer now and I've decided that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just come out and talk about it and say this is triggering. Mm. Do you know? So do you have to lay out your, your, your credentials, oh, your yeah. Irish credentials? So you, 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 in this show, Am I Irish Yet? It's a one-woman show. Uh, so you say your parents are obviously Irish. Well, so, I do. So, so I mean, it's, it's, so it's, it's you're 100% Irish gene pool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you came back as soon as you can. You could really when you were yeah. an adult and you yeah. could make your own decisions. But that being said, like my my brother um, who passed away and one um, um, one of my sisters, are like, they're really like, they're very English. They're very English. And do they feel the same about Ireland no, as you do? No, no. No. In fact, my brother Tom hated Ireland. He was very English. Why? Did you have that chat with him? Uh, yeah, there were there were there were lots of reasons for it. He didn't go with my father. Um, he was a classical musician, and my father used to make him play Irish music <laughs> and drag him around pubs playing for money. Um, he just never connected with Ireland. Mm. In that way, was he young? Did you say he was younger? He was the older? same age as well, he was. We were nine months apart. Okay. So we were like Irish, Irish twins. twins, right? Yeah. So there's that kind of. I mean, one of the first articles I ever did as a journalist was when I was very young, and the Pogues came out, and I did an article for Tim Pat Coogan in the Irish Press, if we can remember that far back. And I rang him and I said, "I'm in London. There's this amazing band called the Pogues, and their fans are all these like." crazy second generation Irish like cockney kids but with these like massive affinity with Ireland and there's this all this anger and like this energy this punk energy and I did an interview I'd interviewed those young men and did a piece on them and it was about this ang this conflicted anger of growing up Irish in London mm. learning Irish songs you know absorbing Irish politics, you know, and being this, like, Irish rebel. I mean, the young Irish, second-generation Irish men with English accents and Irish souls and English passports right. were, like, fodder for, you know, Republican groups. It's, it's, Do you know what I mean? I, there's a, what you described there is nearly, like, could lead to self-hate because... It, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a self-loathing. Yes. And these young men... And then so what would happen is they wanted, they wanted Ireland. They wanted to be Irish. But then they would come home to Ireland and someone would say, are you only a tan? And they'd take that on As board. As in the black and tans. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, but that's yeah. a... You know, you're only a plastic paddy or a tan. Right. right. You know, go off back home. Um, you know, you're not a real GAA supporter or whatever. And then they would go back to England and they, they had no place. So you're neither one thing or the other. And actually, one of the interesting things with those young men is that a, lo a lot of them then got recruited and soaked up into um, the English nationalist movement that was happening at the time because this anger and the National Front would come along and say, come on, Paddy, mm. come, come and join us. Do you know what I mean? And that was happening. But what's been amazing, Ray, is that now I'm doing this show, which is, it's, it's my story, but it's basically the story of all of us who have English accents and Irish hearts. Mm. You know, Shane McGowan was, and I, I saw that, I was just tearing up and I'm just going to start crying now. And I saw him in your mum's kitchen. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I 
felt that there's actually a piece in my play where I talk about being in the Irish kitchen. Because the Irish kitchen is ubiquitous. You grow up with it in Ireland. You, you grow up in an Irish kitchen. But when you're London Irish or Leeds Irish or and you, you don't grow up in an Irish kitchen... And then when you come home to Ireland, you're in the Irish kitchen and the turf fire's going and everything, and it really means something. Mm. Mm. And that's, that was Shane's connection with Ireland. But you've been in Ireland longer than you were in London. Yes. Right. That should qualify you. Well, <laughs> it's not even that I feel I need to qualify Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. But, I know, you know, I know. The, when, yeah. when I did the show, when I do the, the show in London... The people that come, I get, I have to say, I do get a tremendous response. But the people that come up to me, when I look out, um, I see the audience and the people that come up to me afterwards who are actually emotional, who are actually crying, are men of our age who come up and they say, and you know, I'm talking about just 17 and take that, but mm. they come up and they say, you have just told my story. No one's mm. ever told my story. Mm. And they won't tell their own story. We don't want to tell the story because we're telling it in an English accent. And if you've got an English yes. accent, you don't want to talk about being Irish because it feels like a contradiction. It feels like an insult. I'm Irish. It just doesn't. And that's what I loved about Shane because he never, ever lost his London accent, ever. And yet no one ever questioned his Irishness. His Irishness. Mm. You know, but then Shane was enormously gifted, made a huge impact, enormously talented. And so he earned his Irish stripes through all of that. But if you're a plumber from Luton and you come to Dublin, you say, hello, Ray, uh, my name's, you know, <laughs> Kevin and I'm Irish. I'm from Luton. Yeah. You're kind of immediately going, yeah, but are you? Yeah. Yeah, you're <laughs> Do really... we want you? Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, I, I've never thought about it like that before because it, th then you've no real place in the world. No, nowhere. And we don't even have, we don't even have a title. Like you can be Irish-American, you can be African-American, you can be Irish-African, but you can't be British-Irish, you can't be English-Irish and you, we're not Anglo-Irish. Yes, you don't so even have a title. We don't have a title. And in fact, so we're very localised. And I know a friend of mine, Lou Brennan, an like a London Irish designer who's been living in Ireland for decades, and but she worked for Alexander McQueen. I mean, she is amazing. But again, she's not owned by the Irish as an, as an Irish designer. She's still... Yeah. And I remember she called me one day. She was incandescent, which is very unlike her. And she said, have you heard? And I said, what? She said, they're calling like all these fabulous young media people that are moving over to London. She said, they're calling them all London Irish. I know. GQ magazine claimed London Barry Keoghan as They're all London Irish. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's not the British title. It's the it's London Irish. London, I'm London Irish because I grew up as Irish in London. Yes, you weren't but, born and went over. No, but now the London Irish are the young Dublin chattering media classes. Laura Whitmore. Laura Whitmore is London B. Irish. Ashling B. <laughs> They're London they're Irish. London, oh, I get you. Yes. Are you yes, with me? Yes. And they're Irish Irish. Yeah. Yes. And they're Irish Irish, but now they're London Irish, you know? Irish Americans, Irish English. Yeah, I've never heard anybody no, refer to as Irish we're English. Leeds Irish, Yorkshire Irish, yeah. Liverpool Irish, mm. London Irish. 
Um, listen to this wonderful lady, that's you, Kate, who describes exactly how I feel after leaving Ireland age 12 in 1968, returned to Ireland 25 years ago, and her description fully mirrors my experience. Irish DNA can never be wiped out. What an amazing description that captures everything. So brutally honest. There you go. Lovely. Uh, I will, if you want to see more, I'm in Ballinar yes. Arts Centre this coming Wednesday, two nights time. Am, am I Irish yet? Am I Irish yet yeah. is the name of it. And it's uh, Kate Kerrigan. Mm. Um Interesting topic. And, and Prunty is your... That's, my, my real name is Morag Prunty. Yeah. But for reasons that are just too boring to describe, I'm a lady novelist and I've been writing novels for 20 years and I changed my name to Kate Kerrigan. Yes. My but, pen but, name. But Prunty is a, is a, May, a Mayo name. No, it's no. Longford. Longford name, right. Okay. The Brontes were originally called Prunty. Oh, were they? Mm. Aha. Uh, interesting topic to discuss about, uh, am I Irish yet? And agree, the accent is a source of pain for me. I'm a 60-year-old born in London in 1963 and lived there until I was 10. When we returned to Ireland, I married and worked in Ireland since 1981 and I meet the unconscious bias on a daily basis, including work where many would say, you're English, why are you here? Uh, what do you know about being Irish? Uh, I, of course, consider myself Irish and always feel an outsider at times, even though I have lived here 50 years. Yeah. I have to always have to say my parents are Irish. That's Derek and Dublin. So yeah. there. Um, well, we all need to be more um, tolerant, don't we? <laughs> That's That goes without saying, particularly now, doesn't it? Um, mm. Yeah, it's uh, troubling times. Um so, uh, there's a few laughs in it and do you mention take that and all that? In I it? do, very yeah. briefly. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And are you still writing books? I still write books. I'm, well, I'm working, on, I'm working on one around this at the moment, um, but I kind of, this has taken up all my time now, so I'm hoping to tour around Ireland with it this summer mm. and then I'm over, because I know you've got loads of listeners over in the UK, Ray, through a big <laughs> pin-up over yes. there. So, I will be in the White Bear Kennington from the 11th to the 17th of March. It sold out last year and it's selling out this year uh, as well. So, yeah, come along if you're in London. Right. Uh, and how do you like the whole performing thing? Really weird. Um, I had never done it before, although I've, all, as you can tell, I'm kind of an outgoing, talkative mm. person. So I'll always get up and say a few lines at a wedding or a funeral or whatever. But uh, I just performed it for the first time, went out on stage, and I just love it. Mm. I can't get me off. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're sort of kicking yourself you didn't do it earlier, are you? Yeah, I am, yeah. <laughs> it was probably that audition for the word that put The audition for the word it put, put me off. off. It yes, did yes, put me yes. off. Yeah. And then take that took off and what happened to me? <laughs> <Yeah>. Nothing. <laughs> or maybe it was more egg punchy. It's maybe, maybe that was yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Kate, yeah. lovely to see you. Am I Irish too. yet? Uh, if you put that into Google, you'll find out uh, where Kate is performing it. And we, we will talk again. Thanks, Kate. Thanks. Thanks for The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Text 51551, The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Now, for the last 15 years, Wayne State University in Detroit have been resurrecting words. And this year's list of 10 has just been published. It includes words like blatherskite, petrichor, dollop, twankle and pettifogger. And head of the word warriors that Wayne... State University is Christopher Williams, who's on the line now. Hello, Christopher. Hello. How are you, Ray? I, I'm, I'm great. I enjoy saying your resurrected words, <laughs> Christopher. I, I enjoy saying them as well. So I, I like hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is something that predates you at the university, but they decided what, to get some, I suppose, publicity to resurrect 10 words a year. 
Yeah, yeah. So every year you see people uh, publish lists that talk about, you know, what words should be added to the dictionary Hmm. each year. Or out here in Michigan, we also have um, people who have a list about words that should be stricken from usage. And what people decided to do at Wayne State years ago is let's look at the words that have been kind of lost to time that have fallen out of usage. And every year, let's let's nominate 10 words that people should bring back into their writing and their uh, their conversation. Have you had any success over the years, Christopher? I have. I have. Um, so there is a word that came up a few years ago called elf lock. Uh, sounds like two words put together, elf and lock. Yeah. And it it's basically someone who wakes up in the morning and it looks like their hair has been tied into knots by elves overnight. <laughs> right. And I use it quite a bit because I have a little eight-year-old daughter. She yeah. has this long blonde hair <laughs> and she will wake up and it looks like little elves have gone in and tied her hair into knots overnight. And so I'll yeah. just, oh, CC, you have elf lock this morning. Elf lock. That's, I, was, that's, I, was, I was about to ask you to put it into a sentence. So you would have <laughs> elf lock. Elf lock. Yep, it's, you would have elf lock. It's, it's like an ancient word for bed hair. Yeah, 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 very good. Elf lock, elf lock. I might use that. Now, I recognise two words from this year's list of 10. Um, I didn't know that dollop needed to be resurrected. We still use it regularly over here. A dollop of yogurt or cream or whatever you're having yourself on top of your dessert. Uh, a good dollop would be a large, a larger one. Uh, and, and so dollop, it's a shapeless mass or blob of something, especially soft food. So you obviously don't use it in the States that often. You know what's funny is I think over the past few weeks since we've released this list, people have said, I, I use dollop, yeah. I use dollop. Yeah. And it's one of those words that whenever I hear people use it, it sounds like they're putting on an affect that, uh, <laughs> you know, it's an old word. We're using this old word. Um but people love it. They, I've had a lot of people say, no, I use that all the time. I love that. Yeah. So I, I'm glad people are recognizing it. Now, the other word I recognize, because it comes up every year um, in Ireland, because we do get some warm weather, but we also get rain. And there's that lovely smell uh, when it rains and then the summer sunshine evaporates the rain off the road and you get this petrichor. Petrichor is one of my favorite words that came out this year, which is actually a fairly new word. It was actually coined in 1964 uh, by Australian researchers, and it's kind of fallen out of favor already, at least uh, over here. And when I heard it this year, I was like, oh, that's such a perfect word. It's it's very whimsical and poetic. I, I love that word. But I'm it glad you guys use it over there. I suppose it doesn't, you wouldn't have much need to use it on a regular basis because <laughs> it, it needs very specific uh, weather conditions, doesn't it? Right, right. Yeah. Right now it's raining a lot here in Detroit, but we wouldn't have Petrichor no. because that, it's, that it's not warm in the summer. Enough. Yes. I like, I like Porky. Tell us the history of Porky <laughs> and what it means. I love Pocky as well. It's it's about having a mocking or cynical sense of humor. Uh, and I, I, I love that word Pocky because it sounds a little bit less uh, sharp. You know, it, it doesn't sound quite as mean to say someone is Pocky. Uh, you know, I, I think it, I think it sounds a little more jokey. I think we could be described as a Pocky race, us Irish. We, we like <laughs> we like here's a word for you. Slagging. Do you know what slagging means? Oh, I, I think I've heard that a few times. That's to uh, kind of put someone down, correct? Yeah, but in a funny way, sort of nearly affectionate. <laughs> so, okay, I like that. Well, that's my description of it because I've been slagged a lot <laughs> over the years. So, so I like to think it's affectionate. Now, uh, Petty Fogger. 
Pettifogger is it's kind of a um it's an inferior legal practitioner, someone who deals with like petty cases. They right. might be a little underhanded. We have a lot of shows out here about pettifoggers. Right, pettifoggers. Right. Twinkle sounds onomatopoeic. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's it's one of my favorite words this year. It's to strum or play an instrument. Um, just kind of sit there absently plucking away. Uh, and you can hear the word twang through it. But I like that Twinkling, it's twinkling. twang. Yep, twang yeah. mixed with twinkle. It, it, it's kind of yeah. kind of nice. Yeah. We, we were trying to think of some words upstairs that we would like to be resurrected. Bamboozle. Oh, I like bamboozle. That's, yeah. a, that's a good one. All of these, they're, they're, these words, they're lovely to get your mouth around. That's what, that, you uh, like I'm looking at, uh, and I'd, excuse me if I pronounce it incorrectly, cafe clutch. Coffee clutch. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that word. It's, you know, to sit and gossip over coffee. Right. And you're right. It, like, they're, they're fun to say. Yes. I, I think that's the the uh, thing I enjoy do, about doing this every year is it makes our language so much richer. It just shows how how fun our language can be. Uh, blatherskite. I mentioned it in the introduction. What's a blatherskite? Blatherskite is someone who talks a lot without making a great deal of sense. Um, um, <laughs> they just kind of ramble on and on. I've been accused of it. So. <laughs> right. We leave it there then. Christopher Williams, <laughs> who's the uh, head of Word Warriors at Wayne um, State University, and they've just released their 10 uh, words to be resurrected for 2024. Thanks very much, Christopher. Thank you. Thank you. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Grandma, good morning. Thank you very much. 51551 Ray at RTE.ie. We're going to be talking to Connor Pope uh, about the new recycling laws that have been introduced uh, the 1st of February, which is just a week away, uh, and the machines and the bottles and the 15 cent and the 25 cent. So if you have any questions about that that you want to put to Connor, get them into us now. Ray at RTE.ie or 51551. Meanwhile, we have two quizzers standing by. And there's a prize uh, this week. Um, it's a two-night stay for two people in the four-star New Park Hotel in Kilkenny. Uh, breakfast each morning and dinner on one evening. Uh, the award-winning New Park Hotel offers an adult-only floor, uh, which has a selection of highly sought-after balcony suites. Some even have outdoor hot tubs, pure posh. And all can avail of a tranquil breakfast terrace set away from the hustle and bustle of the main dining areas for a proper escape. Uh, away from it all and you can go to newparkhotelkilkenny.com for more details newparkhotelkilkenny.com Hello Mary Finnegan Hello Ray Darcy how are you? I'm in good form actually for a Monday Uh, Oh good good it's always uh, good to start your Monday in good form anyway Yeah well I'm a great believer in fake it till you make it Mary (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it has been proved to work it, in it, so many ways. It, it, so it, go, go it, with it. Go with it, yeah. Like you can, you know, the, the science has proven this. You'll be interested to hear this. Science has proven this, that you, yes. can, you can put a fake smile on your face and eventually it becomes a real smile. That's right. Yeah. 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 And it, so uh, Anna in The King and I had it right all those years back, you know, when I fooled people I fear, I fool myself as well. Ah, you see, nice. with the, you know, whenever you, I feel you, afraid. You'll... Brenner and Yul Brenner Julie. and Deborah Kerr. No, Deborah right. Kerr in the film. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think it was probably Marnie Nixon who did this 
singing, probably. Right, right, okay. But she seemed to sing for everybody. And what were, the, what were the songs from it? Can you remember any of the songs from it? Because we so watched it as you children. had um, Hello Young Lovers, Don't know Wherever it. You Are, was one of Hello Young Lovers, Wherever You Are. Don't, no. don't cry because I'm alone. Do you not know that? No, Ray? Your don't music know that. education sorry. is sadly <laughs> lacking. Sadly lacking. Um, and then you had the um, the. Um, didn't he sing one? He saw, he he sort of talked one, didn't he? Shall we dance? Right. Shall we dance? Do 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 do. On a bright summer morning. Oh, I know that one. I'm just, yeah, I'm, you know that one. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't, yeah. but I'm just saying yes to, to humour you. And no. then it's it's <laughs> a happy tune for, and hold my head erect. Yes. You yeah, know, no. whenever I feel afraid, that one. I know yeah. that one. I do know that one, right. Yeah. Okay. okay. So you're obviously a fan of the musicals. Oh, listen, wasn't I reared on them? Yeah. You know, like, what else would you be watching on a Sunday afternoon and a Saturday afternoon? Well, we, only the, we were as well. You know? We were as well. Like, like we had, yeah. I'm just thinking that the, the few LPs that we had in the house growing up, we had The Sound yeah. of Music, we had Joseph and his amazing yes. technical or dream coat, and, and one yes. of them, which I can't remember. Yeah, and we knew all the songs from from those. Um, yeah, and now, then go way go way back, and you have South Pacific, and you have Carousel, most of which are probably you know due to be cancelled anytime now because of their plots and storylines and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, we love the music and the big street and the dance scenes. You know, nothing like a yeah. nothing like a, a big set piece. You know, mm. um, now. So, how is your Monday going after all that? My Monday is going very well, thank you. Great. I was um, on on of a Monday, as the saying goes. I usually go and do some teaching of English as an additional language, or EAL, in a primary school out in Blakestown, 2015. So the government kind of made special arrangements for all the children who are arriving from. Um, the various countries who don't have English as their first language. So mm. they, you know, tried to make sure that there would be provision for children um, to learn some English. So in the school where I'm working, you know, like it, it kind of depends who do you have, where the children coming from, how long are they there, so that, you know, the, the time can be a bit... Um, you know, the numbers aren't static numbers, if yeah, you yes. know what I mean. I, and it, it must be very rewarding. Oh, it's hugely rewarding. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I, just, I admire the children so much because for them, you know, they haven't decided of a morning, oh, I think I'll go and live in Ireland, you no. know. Like this is, is foisted upon them. Mm. Um, and they come, like they do have languages. They have multiple languages. You know, they might be speaking... Um, Ukrainian and Russian and, you know, or Moldovan and, or Hungarian or, you know, they are children who have multiple languages and then they arrive and they're learning Irish and they're learning English and they're also learning a whole new culture and a new way of doing yeah, things yeah. and they have left granny and granddad and sometimes pets back at home which, you know, mm. causes them more but, but, concern sometimes and even the humans at home, you know. Yeah, but, but um, children are more adaptable than adults are. We, we, we get we get set in our ways but as, you know, we were all obviously all children ourselves but we, we're, that's the nature of we're, we're you know, as human beings, when we're younger, we're more adaptable. Yeah, we are, but you know that that doesn't mean that things don't affect don't us. I know, I know, I know. And I know. don't yes, affect yes, us, yes, you yeah, know. Yeah. And um, like I was listening to your um, your previous uh, interview, yeah, Kate. E, yeah, and like like her, I I was born here in Ireland, but I grew up in in Fulham in London, you mm. know. 
And you do feel like the weirdo when you come back. Yeah. And you're made to feel like the weirdo. You know, yeah. I, I had people in secondary school stopping me to say hello to me, just to hear me say, you know, oh, hello. Oh, so nice. I set off about losing my accent so that I wouldn't stand out as this kind of, yes. you know, well, Kate, Kate did creature, r- remark yeah. that, and you're, you're a case in point, that if you were bullied at school, that was a real uh, way of losing your accent. You, know, you, you, you said yeah. about losing your accent as a result of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, it, it, um, so you know, for those children, they're, they're dealing with a loss and mm. they're, I think they're very brave and they're very... Um, very stoic to get on with, with what with they have to yes, cope with. Yeah, yeah. And we also don't know what the things are that they may have seen at different times before in they arrived different here, situations yes, yeah, yeah. before they arrived here at all. And yeah. I just think, do you know what? Well, what, you're, do, what you're doing is great. marvellous yes. little people. What you're doing is well, great. Yeah, no, but, I, but it is. And you're, you're, it's volunteering, so it's... it's, 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 it's oh, well, no, in, in fact, no, this isn't volunteering. Oh, it's, this it's, is, right. it's a Department of Education. Right. It's, okay. a, it's a scheme that they have, so it's not... Um, no, I, I do other... There's other voluntary things that I do, but this isn't one. You know? Mary, we should have um, you as a guest, because Philip's... <laughs> no, but it sounds yeah. like a full-blown uh, interview you, here. Because are, you we trying fi- to have a, are you trying to have a kind of... A, a podcast where people fall asleep. That's no, what no, for, no, you know? no, Philip, Philip is waiting. No, <laughs> no, Philip is waiting here. But, but it, it very, hello, Philip. Raymond, how are you? Sorry for keeping you waiting. Now, you, you, no, but a great yeah. story. That was lovely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fair play to Mary. You know, fair play to Mary. That's, that's very good. Very commendable. Yeah, and, and, and you're well, on your way home you to put on a boiled ham. Well, <gasps> the ham is on, Ray. The ham is on. Great, lovely. Yeah. Uh, and what do, you have, great, what do you have with the ham? Oh, cabbage and potatoes. Oh, nice, nice, yeah. And the, and the cabbage we've done in the ham water. Oh, yeah, yo, the, yeah, the salty ham water, lovely. And how are you How are you presenting the potatoes? Oh, mashed. All right. You have to go mashed. Butter? It's, I don't know, it depends, depends on how they are. Right. It might go, it depends. Right. But, um, actually, but I'm looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, pig's bone, cabbage and potatoes, that's how uh, my yeah. grandmother used to yeah. refer to yum, it. Yum, 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 that's it, that's it, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's the rhyme. Uh, and who's at home with you, P- Philip? Well, Audrey, well, they're in work, but Audrey's in work, and then Emer and Aoife, they're in college, well, doing placements in college. Right. So, so, free house, but only back from a hostel appointment, so. Right. Got the are house to myself. Are you okay? Ah, yeah, it's just a small procedure on my knee. Now, it's where the, the, the injury is, it's on the knee, so it's a bit of a pain, yeah. you know, so. So I have to keep it straight. You to, like, yeah, you know, and, so and you have to rest it. So, so mind I yourself. have to rest it. Like, I, I, I have to because otherwise I'll be I'll be only prolonged the injury. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Just a pain. What can you do? So, well, you have an excuse not to do anything around the house for the next well, that's while. That's it. Anyway. And yeah. I have doctor, doctor's orders <laughs> as well. I have a note. I have a sick note. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so uh, it's Mary uh, against Philip. Three questions each. We give you the, the category, then ask if you want a clue. If you go for a clue and get it right, you get a point. If you go without a clue, you get two points because it's more difficult. Whoever gets the most points is the winner. If it's a drawn points, we go to a tie-break question. Good luck to you both. Thank you. Mary. Good luck, Philip. Good luck. Right. Um, Mary, first category. Yes. 21st century pop sensations. 21st century pop sensations. What do you want to do? Oh, I, th- I think I'll have to have a clue because uh, it's not my forte, I think. Right, OK. Um hmm. Here's the clue. Her ocean eyes propelled her to stardom. Her ocean eyes propelled her to stardom. Who is this for one point? So you're a tough guy, like you're really rough guy. Just can't get enough guy. Just always so puff guy. 
Who's that? Uh, I'm going to say Billie Eilish because I haven't a clue. Well, you're right. You get a point. Billie Eilish it is, yes. Ocean Eyes was her first single. Yes, well done. You know more than you think. You know more than you think. Uh, OK, Philip, 21st century pop sensations. What do you want to do? No clue, no clue. No, no clue. clue, OK, for two oh. points. Who's this? You know it's not the same as it was in this world. That. That's Harry Styles. It is Harry Styles. Two points there, but oh. confidence puts you in the lead. Okay. Yes. Now, Mary. TV, yeah. TV characters. TV characters. Okay. Well, I, I better go without a clue if I'm to have any hope. Okay. So remember, mm-hmm. we're looking for the character's name, not the actor. Okay. Good luck with this for two points. Name this TV character. Single and fabulous question mark. There was no question mark implied. I would never have agreed to be in an article. Single and fabulous question mark. I was set up. They said single and fabulous exclamation point. They did not say single and fabulous question mark. That question mark is hostile. Who's that? Uh, I'm going to say Carrie Bradshaw. You're right. Two points. Yes. Yes. From Sex and the City, played by Sarah Jessica Parker. Two points up to three. Well done, Mary. Philip. Thank you. Yeah. Now, no clue again. No, no clue no again. Clue. Oh, right. Mm, TV character. Again, a reminder, Philip, we're looking for the character's name, not the actor. For two points, who is this? You clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skylar. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Well. God, I don't have no clue. No. Looks like. Spider-Man. No, it's it's one of those ones you either watched it or you didn't. You know what I mean? Walter White from Breaking Bad, played no, by never Brian. Watched it, never no. watched it. You see, Cranston. Never okay. Now um, you're not. This this is close, Philip. You're on two. Uh, Mary, you're on three. Now I'm, okay. go, I'm, go, I'm going to do the maths and the permutations for you here. Uh, Mary, yeah. Mary, if you go without a clue and get it right, you're on five. Philip can't catch you. However, right. the category is just to let you know British comedians. If you go with a clue and get it right, you're on four. Philip could go without a clue, get it right. He'd be on four as well. It'll bring us to a tie-break situation. To a tie-break, yes. So there's, okay. So it's a big, okay, it's I, a big decision. It, it is, it, and, and, and I'm feeling the weight of it as we speak. <laughs> but I am go. Do you know what? I'll give it a lash. Nothing give it a lash. Nothing okay. I'll, right. I'll give it a lash without. Okay. Yeah. So here it is for two points. Can you name this British comedian? Get it right, you're today's winner. Um, and get it wrong, you're still in it. You're not out of it if you get it wrong. Okay. Uh, who is this for two points? People shout garlic bread at me. Who would have thought that a food would be a catchphrase? <laughs> it wasn't even a catchphrase, it's a food. Garlic bread. And I couldn't get it in Morrison's other week. <laughs> and my wife outside at car with children in our ages, she said, why were you so long? I said, I couldn't find garlic bread and I couldn't ask for it. <laughs> <laughs> Is 
is that the wonderful Peter Kay? It is the wonderful Peter Kay, yes. Well done, Mary. Yeah, and you're the wonderful <laughs> Mary Finnegan, right. Philip Murphy, you're up against a good one there. Um, I am. Yeah, so we're going to send you out a radar show, Keep Cup, and good luck with, the, good. with the ham and the oh, cabbage. Oh, listen, I'm, I'm so sorry, because you probably could do with one after your oh, knee course, injury. You could probably do with a bit of a break. Yeah. Right. I know. Oh. See you, Philip. Lovely talking to you. Good Mary, time. well done. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I yes. am so excited. Yes. I am so excited. You are off That's to the great. new Park Hotel, Kilkenny Four Star. They have the uh, adult-only uh, floor. And now that sounds a little bit naughty, Ray. I have to say, you know, <laughs> I'm off. I'm off to the adult-only <laughs> corridor. I mean, you know, stop the like. This is a family entertainment. Well, you know. Well, listen. Do report back, won't you? <laughs> Certain things may not be reported back, Ray, because, you know, we have to keep a sense of decorum about it. You, you do, know. Very lovely to you. Well brilliant. Done. Thank you so bye, much. Bye, Thank bye. you. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Email ray at rte.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. So, uh, Conor Pope joins us in studio price watch at rte.ie now as in from the 1st of February we will be able to return our plastic bottles and get 15 cent for the small ones and 25 cent for the big ones when I say we'll be able to get it we've paid for it already because those bottles are going to go up by that amount as in from the 1st of February that's correct yes yeah um, so like it depends on how you, it, there's, there's multiple different ways of looking at this you could look at it in a positive light or you could look at it in a negative light uh, and, and I've heard some negative criticism of the scheme obviously from, from, from different sources but like broadly speaking what the scheme does is and I'm not a spokesperson for it at all is it gives it puts a value on plastic bottles for the first time ever and it puts a value on cans aluminium cans that you might typically find beer in or whatever for the first time ever now uh, all receptacles up to 500 millilitres you'll pay a deposit of 15 cent and then anything between 500 millilitres and 3 litres uh, 500 millilitres and 3 litres you'll pay a deposit of 25 cent so let's say you're buying a bottle of water in, in the shop and that bottle of water normally costs 125 that's going to cost 140 so you might say to yourself well that bottle has just gone up by 15 cents so that's not good news for me um, but what it might do is it might stop you just drinking the bottle of water as you're walking down the street and then just chucking the bottle in the bin or worse still chucking the bottle on the street mm. or indeed it might stop you going bush drinking with your mates down by the Spanish Arch in Galway drinking six cans of beer and then just leaving the six cans of beer there because those six cans of beer suddenly will have value now we recycle a lot in Ireland around you know but of you know but one we, third we don't recycle we, we don't, one right, third. exactly so there's a government target of getting us to 75% I think it is by 2025 and then by 90% by 2030 so at present we're at 60% exactly so when you think about it there's around 2 billion of these receptacles that are, are circulating every year so if that means that around 600 million of them are just going into landfill or they're just getting mixed up with other recyclables. That's a lot of money, That's, isn't it? It's a, it's a lot of money, but it's also a huge volume of waste. Now, yeah. I, my, my issue with this and the problem I have, and I put this to the return people when I was speaking to them, is like the problem isn't us. And the petrochemical industry has done a great confidence trick on society by making us responsible for recycling plastic when actually the solution to the problem is not taking the plastic out of the ground in the form of oil. Okay, so that's the but we're made to feel responsible for it. So that's my issue with it. Mm. Other people are concerned that it's problematic that the vending machines, the reverse, the so-called reverse vending machines won't be in every shop and that smaller shops will struggle to, to to manage these schemes. And those concerns are legitimate. 
But ultimately, I think if we can get 600 million receptacles out of landfill or out of our our, our streets and our beaches, um, we will have done something good. There are going to be teething problems because, as you say, the the machines aren't going to be everywhere. Yeah. Uh, when you bring your bottles in in your black sack and you put them in the machine and you get a voucher back, you have to use that voucher in that shop. That's correct. But like the, the way that, I mean, because I asked the, the people in who are man, running the scheme, the return people, like how they see this all working. So the idea would be that you might have 10 or 12 water bottles for instance okay. just for the sake of argument so they're the bigger ones the so, bigger ones exactly so, so that's, that's so you, you put 250 them, three, yeah, so 3 you euro, put them right. in, into a bag in your hall yeah. and then when you're going to your local Tesco or Aldi or Superquin or, Su- or Superquin Super Value or wherever it might be you bring the 12 bottles mm. to the shop you put them into the machine you get out you get out a little voucher which you then use to offset a portion of your grocery okay. bill. So that's how it will work for a lot of people. Another another thing that really appealed to me actually because when I went into them I was kind of sceptical about it I have to say because I was just thinking well this is just going to see me paying more for my bottles of Mm. Actually, I don't buy bottled water, but I just see people paying more. But, you know, like they, they spoke to me about GAA clubs, for instance, or community groups setting up schemes where they might go door to door and collect these plastic rep- receptacles that people will, will, will so give So it's an them. incentive for these organisations to yeah. collect rubbish because for they, And then cash that rubbish for, in and then yes. use it for some value. Mm. Because I think the really key thing, and as, you know, as, I, as, I, as, I, as I've noted, like if you saw 15 cents... Where can they cash it in though? Well, you, you could be able to... like. Let's say they, they could come up with come up with a a deal with a with a retailer, or they could uh-huh. use the money. Because I know I read that some retailers are going to give back cash. Yeah, exactly. And so, like if it was particularly if it, if a local GA club went to a local supermarket and said, "We've collected all of these bottles." Can you come to some kind of arrangement for us that will be for the betterment of community? Like the retailer would be very stupid to say no to that, right? But apart from anything else, a community group could use the vouchers to buy stuff that they need for their community group. Right. So you could you could say, okay, well, how's that going to work? But all it, all it does really in essence, and this is the key thing I think, is it puts a value on something that previously had no value. Mm. And that will stop people binning it. Because if you saw 15 cent on the ground, you just would, like, chances are, you'd pick it up, right? Because mm. that's what people do. You see money on the ground, you pick it up. If you saw like one euro and 50 on your countertop, you're not going to sweep that into the bin. You're not going to say, well, I don't want that 150. So it's just giving something value. And you're right, it will come with teething problems and there will be complaints. And I do have a bit, a lot of sympathy for small retailers who'll have to try and manage this to, manage this to a degree because they, they you know, they, they'll have to, you know... They people, can't afford the machines. Exactly. Well, they, they won't, and they won't have the, the, the floor space to yes. put the machines in yeah. and they don't... So it's you, going, know this, you know this term they use in, in technology, you know, when you have to access a, a podcast, yeah. they talk about attrition. And the less attrition, the more likely you are to access. Exactly. Now, there seems to be me just reading, but there seems to be a lot of attrition here, as in a lot of effort. People need to go to a lot of effort to do this. And do you know what? And that was one of the fundamental questions that I had for the people when I went in to talk to them, because I remember speaking to Pete Lone of the ESRI, a person I'm sure you're very familiar with. And, and the, the thing that makes recycling schemes work is an absence of barriers. So recycling paper and cardboard in your house is really simple because you put them in the green bin and you don't have to think about it. So this is more complicated and this is going to require people to shift how they operate. I suppose the the long-term question is, is getting 15 cent back on a bottle that you paid 15 cent extra for, is that incentive enough to change your behaviour? That's, that's And that's the, actually the question that they don't have the answer no. to because they don't really know if it's pitched high, high enough. Yes. But what it does do is it means that somebody who sees that bottle lying, lying, on, lying on the street 
or a can lying on the street would be able to say, do you know what? I actually could do with that 15 cent or 30 cent or 45 cent or I could collect six bottles or eight bottles mm. or ten bottles and I, a huge ha- swathe of society we, might benefit from We have from a problem that. to get because sure. I'm, I'm fascinated by this and, and I'm just wondering about international best practice and how does it work in other countries and has it worked in other it countries? It has worked in other countries and it's done in places like Germany it's been done in places like Germany for, as you won't come as any big surprise to you for, for donkey's years it's been it, it's done I think in 15 or so yeah. countries across the European Union and it does work Yeah and of course it's not new as well because when I, was, when I was a kid, it was for glass. If you, there, was a, there was a one penny deposit on, on glass five, bottles. Five pence. And I, like, when I was a kid, like you, you, you had those bottles, the bottles of Sidona for some reason, like, I'm not, not trumpeting the brand, but that was like, the, they had real value. Yeah. And you wouldn't just bin them. And I no. think anything that we can do to stop throwing this stuff away and the best example and the example that everybody's hoping that we use is the plastic bag yes it's different though and and if you you just what you said there five pence versus 15 cent I would imagine there's a huge difference there you could buy three or or four bottles you'd buy yourself a soft drink and a bag of crisps yeah yeah, there you go (laughs) (laughs) that's the measure of it that's the measure of it Uh, do we have time for this we have two minutes do we have time Two minutes, very quickly. Okay. okay, I bought a garment from Dunn Stores in December and went to wear it at a family gathering on the 25th. Um, so that was Christmas Day. The security tag was still attached. It was very bad timing as shops were closed and I didn't have additional spare outfits with me. The receipt was well gone at this stage. I've had many emails back and forth with Dunn's about this. The store is 40 miles from my home and I'm expected to drive there at my own expense to present the garment and receipt for a refund. Obviously, I don't want to drive uh, with no receipt, nor do I have any use of a red sequin skirt the moment has well and truly passed. Uh, what can I do? Okay, well, I did contact on stores, but they didn't respond to me. Nor, as, as is their want, they very rarely respond to any queries from from the media, and that's just the way of it. Because I wanted to, to get reassurance. This listener will be, won't be surprised to learn that this happens an awful lot. So, first thing is, I would exp- I would I would expect I would advise them to approach the retailer with with positivity. Uh, a good retailer will get will take the tag off. They don't have a right to a refund because unlike if you'd bought a wedding dress, for instance, a wedding dress is generally considered a single use product. Mm. So if you couldn't wear it on the time that you were getting married. Well, well they, you could argue that a red sequined skirt you is could, single but You use couldn't argue it successfully Christmas. in court, okay, I right, suspect, yeah. because yeah. you would be able to wear that red sequined top or dress at a future point. So it's, it's not that it's not fit for purpose. It's just that the tag was left on it. This happens all the time because I was looking at multiple forums, both in Ireland and the UK. And this happens over and over and over and the over again. Attached. The tag being attached. I also came across hundreds of YouTube videos telling people how to be how to take the tags no, off. I'm not going to go down that road <laughs> yeah, myself. Yeah. It has happened to me. But in essence, you don't have a right to a refund of the okay. product, or even. But you do have a right. You and even the retailer could even refuse to take the tag off without the receipt. But I think most retailers would do the decent thing. Okay. Uh, Pricewatch at rt.ie. Thanks very much, Connor. We'll talk to you next week. That's it from us. Uh, Cormac is on drive time. We're back tomorrow at three o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your Monday evening. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio One.